Illegal switches that make handguns automatic weapons are being found in Savannah. What you need to know. An update on the hundreds of people facing eviction in a single low country neighborhood. And Hunter Army Airfield soldiers remember the lives lost on September 11th. I've got those stories and more in this episode of WTOC's Weekly Wrap, a recap of the week's biggest stories from around the coastal empire and low country. I'm digital anchor Jake Wallace. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives is warning people that switches used to turn handguns into automatic weapons are being found in Savannah. WTOC's Sean Evans spoke with officials from the Savannah field office of the ATF about these switches and what folks should know about them. And this is an example of an automatic switch for a handgun that you're seeing here on the screen behind me. The ATF special agent I spoke with today says they're either coming here from overseas or they're being manufactured right here in the States using 3D printers. The switches, which are illegal across the country, attach to handguns, making them automatic weapons that can fire up to 40 rounds in a matter of two seconds and wreak havoc in the community. Accuracy is extremely difficult. The, the rounds, the, the bullets are are kind of haphazardly uh, uh, shooting in multiple directions and it's hard to keep the weapon on target. So, you know, you could see how, you know, it'd be a problem for law enforcement, obviously, but it's a problem public safety wise with, uh, you know, criminals that are taking out everybody except for the people they're, they're trying to go after. And ATF Special Agent Matthew Bessio says those switches aren't hard to get. It's, 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 quite, it's quite easy, actually. Special Agent Bessio says the automatic switches found locally are largely coming in from overseas, and at this point, not much can be done to restrict those imports. We haven't made many strides in terms of getting the types of uh, assistance that we, we need overseas. Bessio says since they can't get to people making the devices, agencies like the ATF are turning their focus on disrupting those who sell them on the local streets. We have had, uh, in my discussions with uh, law enforcement here across the county, we've had multiple encounters uh, not only with Savannah PD, but with uh, jurisdictions in the, uh, in the county as well. Now, while they weren't able to say how many of those devices they found locally this year, Special Agent Bessio says police across the county have found, or actually across the country rather, have found about 1,500. That was just last year. A trial date has been set in the lawsuit filed by the family of Mallory Beach. Beach is the 19-year-old killed in a 2019 boat crash involving the son of disgraced South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch. Here's the latest details. A lawsuit filed by the family of Mallory Beach has a trial date for part of the case. A Hampton County judge granted a motion to let the lawsuit move forward separately for one defendant. Now it's called a motion to sever and was filed by the Parkers Corporation. And again, this motion separates Parkers from the other defendants in the civil case. The group is one of nearly a dozen defendants in the wrongful death suit filed by the Beach family. That lawsuit was filed earlier this year seeking damages for the 2019 crash that killed 19-year-old Mallory. It claims that Paul Murdoch, the son of disgraced South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch, was driving his parents' boat drunk when it crashed into a bridge in Archer's Creek. Now, the lawsuit says that a store clerk at the Parker's location sold alcohol to two of the underage teens on the night of the crash. The family is also seeking damages from Murdoch himself. Now, this decision also sets a trial date for the Parker's part of the lawsuit. That's slated to start in just over a month on October 10th. Charges against Paul Murdoch in that crash were dropped after he was shot and killed along with his mother Maggie on the family's Colleton County property in June 2021. 
Alec Murdoch was charged with murder in those deaths in July. He pleaded not guilty to those charges. You can stay up to date with the latest in the Murdoch case at the Murdoch case page at WTOC.com. You'll find the link in the description of this podcast episode. The funeral arrangements have been announced for the Savannah police officer killed in a car crash in late August. 23-year-old Officer Reginald Brannon was killed on August 28th while driving home from work when his car collided with a tractor trailer on Highway 21 in Garden City. There will be a public viewing on Friday, September 9th from 5 to 8 p.m. at First Tabernacle Baptist Church in Savannah. The funeral will be held on Saturday, September 10th at 10 a.m. at Jonesville Baptist Church. Savannah Police says there will be rolling closures for the processions that begin on Saturday morning. We have the procession routes in this story at WTOC.com. Click the link in the description of this podcast episode. The more than 300 people facing eviction from a single Lowcountry neighborhood have now been told their leases are safe. On August 24th, WTOC told you around 350 residents of the Chimney Cove neighborhood on Hilton Head Island found letters taped to their doors informing them their leases were being terminated and they would need to be out of their homes by September 13th, now that eviction threat is being lifted. With the help of our colleagues at Telemundo Atlanta, WTOC's Tyler Mannion spoke with Chimney Cove residents about what's next for them. When we stopped in two weeks ago, people over in Chimney Cove, well, they were scared for their future of their families. Today, it was a much different story. Now I feel much better, especially because my kids didn't want to move or start new schools. Just like the first time, the notice came taped to their door, this time with positive news in both English and Spanish. We feel good with more time and without all the pressure. There are around 75 school-aged children here who won't be pulled from their friends anymore, or so it seems at the moment. We don't know if they are, if this is a permanent thing or will they be asked to leave again in a couple months. Christ Lutheran Church is right next to Chimney Cove and along with the Deep Well Project, they've been helping residents since the original lease termination was posted. The two organizations tell me they've raised almost $50,000 but say the uncertainty moving forward still has them concerned. We don't know if we have three days, 30 days, 90 days. She's encouraging Chimney Cove families to continue to look for housing because of those questions. Advice some in the area are taking. I started looking for another place after the first letter and haven't stopped because I don't want to deal with this anymore. On the other hand, inside the Salgado's home, there won't be packing anytime soon. We are not looking for a new place anymore. We are happy here and it's our cheapest option. That lack of other options was discussed at a special call town council meeting Tuesday. Strong opinions were voiced, but no permanent solutions were agreed on, specifically when it comes to Chimney Cove. If we knew what we were dealing with, we could just work so much more effectively. When we tried to reach out to the property owner for our story two weeks ago, we got no response, but today his assistant was at that town meeting and talked with me after. She says they feel empathy for the people of Chimney Cove and will wait until a later date to give further comment. The nation will remember the events of September 11, 2001 on Sunday, but some have already begun honoring the lives lost that day. WTOC's Sarah Winkleman was at Hunter Army Airfield on the morning of Thursday, September 8th, where hundreds of soldiers were running in remembrance. 
Like, it does not get more patriotic than running on an Army airfield with 2,000 soldiers. Like, it doesn't get better than that. Most of the runners are active duty military, running in honor of all of those lives lost on 9-11. So their sacrifice wasn't just for their sacrifice for themselves and to get people out in the morning. It, it, uh, it carried on and it carried on so much for our country that it's important for us to remember this stuff and to do this kind of uh, remembrance for them. As they crossed the finish line, they rang the bell one by one. You'll see within our generation of Army, we have multiple levels of generation. So we have those people that joined the Army because of 9-11. We have those that were already in and stayed in because of 9-11. And then we have the soldiers that weren't even born during 9-11, but they grew up understanding the sacrifices that were made on that day. One of those, Captain Gordon, who was stationed at Hunter Army Airfield during 9-11 and says he will never forget the unity that came after that day. I remember going on the five tons to, to the ranges and you could hear people in the background you know, honking and, you know, yeah, go get them, boys. And watching those soldiers run by today was Stella Vesga, who was in New York City on September 11th, 2001. This is just very, very special, just that we just never forget. And for the next few days, she encourages you to have a conversation about that day in history. Take the time to, you know, make that phone call and say, hey, you remember, or, you know, the famous question about where were you? Um, or things like, uh, you know, share your story, share your moment. And this moment in time, also one they won't forget. It's um, very emotional. It's very, like you have a, a huge sense of pride. Even though the run is over today, they will do a similar one at Fort Stewart tomorrow morning. Reporting at Hunter Army Airfield, Sarah Winkleman, WTOC News. You can get the latest news, weather, and sports updates every night on The News and all the time at WTOC.com and on the WTOC app. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.